Hey everyone, we are back at it again. This is Daniel and also my good friend by me is Abel. And today we have an interesting story to tell you guys. It's about a guy in the Bible that has a colorful coat. He's pretty famous in the Bible. A lot of you guys will probably have his same name, and that's Joseph. We're going to get over into Joseph. We're going to talk about how favoritism plays out in the Bible, and if it's a good thing, it's a bad thing. We're going to tell his story. We're going to talk about love, compassion, and just Christ's love. How can we find Christ through the story of Joseph? And so, um, Abel, do you want to start us off? Definitely. Um, so, two major themes we see in the life of Joseph are first of all favoritism and then secondly jealousy we see that his father uh, joseph's father shows him so much favoritism gives him all kinds of stuff and then on the other hand his brothers become so jealous of him and we see that jealousy is something really bad because it leads to hatred which eventually can lead to other things. And in this case, it almost led the brothers to murder. I mean, I, I wouldn't go to the extent of murder, but I, when I compare it to um, today's time, but I know there's been plenty of times I have a brother. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily jealous of jealous from how our parents treated us differently, but I knew that almost like, hey, that's not fair. And if you're going to do it for one child, you need to do it for the other one. And my question to you, Abel, is we all know the story. And um, do you think that his father was wrong for showing the favoritism he did out of all of his sons? Or do you think his father had a kind of an insight from God that told him, this is the one, this is the one? I definitely think he possibly could have had an insight uh, giving him the idea that Joseph was going to be someone really great. However, just because someone is destined to be great doesn't mean we shouldn't treat others with kindness and respect and try to help them reach their goals as well. Because in the end, we're all made for greatness. Mm-hmm. We God has gifted us all with different gifts and talents and we have, we all have our unique calling and... I, I would say that there's no calling that's greater than another. We're just all made differently, and each calling is uniquely special to each specific person. And has there been times in your life where you can give us an example of being home, whether any example of where you felt like your parents showed favoritism to your other siblings, and you're like, ah. Definitely. I would say I felt that way quite a few times um especially with my little brother there were a lot of times i felt like they would give him more stuff give him more leeway and stuff like that than they gave me and my me and my older siblings at times and a lot of times like i would be so jealous with them but in the end I always thought about it, and I was like, you know what? He's our, he's our little brother. We need to love him, and we just need to help him in any way we can. One thing to, uh, to also keep in mind is that me and my older siblings, we were all around the same age, so like we had each other. For him, since he's 11 years old, he doesn't really have someone his age where like he, he could communicate with them like constantly. So like with him, it, it is slightly different because like, he doesn't have someone that is the same age as him. Like, it's a little bit harder for him to get around. 
I completely understand, and um, I can relate being a younger sibling. They people say younger siblings have it easy, but I think that people should give their parents a break. You know, after the first child, you learn something. After the second child, you learn something. By the time you get down to the third child, you know what works and what doesn't work. And in this case, wasn't Joseph the youngest sibling? Um. During this point of his life, yes, he was. Yeah. But then as the story goes on, we see that he has another a younger brother named Benjamin. Correct. And mm-hmm. just what type of man was Joseph? What type of young man was Joseph? What characteristics did he possess? I would say he was a very talented, uh, very adaptable person. We see that he adapted through so many critical changes within his life. And he was also a faithful person. He had a lot of faith in God and confidence that he would see him through. And we see this playing all throughout his life. We see that he dealt with so many hardships. He never gave up his faith. He never gave in to temptations just because he was falling on hard times. The Bible also mentioned that he was strikingly handsome and um I usually mess with my friend Joseph about that. I was like, uh, maybe that shouldn't be your name. But um, what was <laughs> <laughs> what what in in the story of Joseph? What is one thing that really point out to you today that you would say? I guess if you could talk about showing favoritism, and what this story shows you about the the pros and cons of showing favoritism, and how we should use favoritism if we use favoritism, because we are God's chosen people. So I would say the only pro to showing favoritism is that you're helping the person whom you're showing favoritism to you're helping them to reach their goals and reach their fullest potentials potential that they can possibly reach however aside from that i would say there's a lot of cons to it because you're not being fair with the other people around him um around them and like I said everyone has their own unique gifts and talents that they must further and they they must enhance and stuff and you're discouraging others and a lot of these things the Bible talks to us about and warns us against doing right but does God show us favoritism his chosen people or is that different uh I believe not um um (laughs) The Bible clearly says that God makes it rain on both the righteous and unrighteous. So a lot of times we look at in the lives of so many people who are so rebellious, so ungodly, so unrighteous, and we see that they're filled with so many blessings and stuff like that. And although they don't deserve it, God still lets it pour out on them because, like I said, He makes it rain on both them and on us. And by doing so, God is hoping to help them return to him. And in the story, when the father did show favoritism, it caused rivalry among the siblings. And what did you take away from that? The way his brothers had treated him. Almost to a point where they actually considered, they sold him into slavery. That's close enough to about killing them. So. Um, I would say that... Um, I would say definitely there was a sense of jealousy because there was all this favoritism going on. And we must keep in mind that the Bible reminds us not to be jealous, but it's really hard to see it when it's done to someone who's part of your own family. And like, 
you yourself aren't treated the way you're supposed to. Um, however, just because they were jealous, just because Joseph was being treated far better than they, it doesn't mean that they should have given into all this hatred for Joseph. Because in the end, he wasn't the one asking for all this favoritism. Like his father was simply just showing it to him because he really loved him. And let's keep him. Let's make it clear. Joseph did not have an easy life. You're talking about a child that was chosen, that was hated by his brothers, that sold into slavery. That then, when he was in slavery, he worked his way up and was accused, falsely accused by Pharaoh's wife, and thrown back into jail, and then released. So we're talking about a guy that did not have an easy life at all. But the main thing that I took away from his story is that his faith and his consistency in the Lord. Definitely. And that that applies to his brothers as well. They necessarily weren't falling on hard times because their father still cared for them. Just nowhere near as much as he did for, for Joseph. So it's not like he was mistreating them, beating them up or anything like that. that Where on the other hand, Joseph like fell on so many hard times. He got sold into slavery, all these things, and he never once gave up his faithfulness. And yet they weren't being mistreated or beaten or anything like that. Yeah, they weren't being treated fairly, but they weren't being abused or anything. And yet they gave in to like all these unrighteous things. And I think his favoritism was innocent. It wasn't a favoritism where he was trying to put his kids against each other. It was just a natural abundance love for Definitely. for his son. And um, you we, know, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go. I was just gonna say James two verses eight through nine says, if you really keep the, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. How do you think that verse applies to the story of Joseph? Um, and what and with his father's favoritism, was it a natural innocent favoritism or was it, I don't really like you guys, but I love this kid. No, I believe just like you were saying, like they were all his kids and like any normal parent loves all their kids however there's a lot of times where a parent simply shows favoritism to someone else not willingly but just because they really love that one specific child and i believe just like you said his father's favoritism towards joseph was one of innocence and honestly to me um, even though that did cause rivalry among the siblings, but um, I think I think that you can relate the story of Joseph to the gospel and to the the father with the prodigal sons and the lost sheep. And how you can do that is when his brothers had went to go get food, and he recognized his brothers, and he. I mean, instead of reproaching his brothers with anger and, like, kill them immediately, he came with them in love and compassion, and he forgave them. And I think that's what God does to us. Even when we do God wrong, we betray God. We show favoritism to our idols and things that we put before the Lord that he, he still loves us and he accepts us as we are. He takes good care of us. 
Definitely. Um, and I think we could all apply that to our lives. Even though, even though we see the unrighteous prevailing and having success and stuff like that, we shouldn't look at them with hatred. We should still look at them with love. And keep in mind that Jesus gave everything in order to forg forgive us of all our sins and give us eternal life. Correct. I agree with you. And my question is, we know Joseph is a man that has plenty of dreams. And my thing is, do we tell me to talk, talk, talk to talk to us today, Abel, about Joseph's dreams and how he was able to rank up through his dreams. It was a blessing from the Lord and the Lord spoke to him through his dreams and helped him interpret them. But also, my question is. Do we still have dreams like that today? Do we have dreams? Do I have dreams that can mean something else other than just a dream of imagination? Definitely. I would say that God spoke with people, especially in the olden days, through dreams. And we see this especially throughout the story of Joseph. We see that God speaks directly to Joseph through dreams. We see that he speaks to the prisoners, uh, in Egypt through dreams and then furthermore he speaks through dreams uh, in uh, the life of the Pharaoh and um, through all these dreams that God uses we see that there was a specific message that needed to be told um, for Joseph it was that the encouragement that he would be someone great one day for for the cupbearer of the of the pharaoh, we see that it was an encouragement and a hope that he would one day re be reinstated. And then for the other person, it was simply a warning, a heads up that his life would come to an end. And then in the pharaoh's case, it was a warning telling them and telling him and the entire kingdom to prepare for a famine and make all the necessary <coughs> preparations in order to survive that ordeal. Um, and I think that although it was more evident in the olden days, I believe that God still speaks through us uh, to us through dreams. Um, I heard of so many cases where something bad was about to happen and God spoke to someone through a dream and because that person was receptive to God's, uh, to God's word through the dream, uh, they were able to stop that bad thing from happening. Um, and then my mom even told me some instances in which me or my um, older siblings were, had like a really high temperature or something like that. And if we had gone just a couple of hours or something like that we could have died and god spoke to her through a dream and because of that she woke up and gave us all the necessary treatments for us to be okay okay and you what what type of faith did joseph have when pharaoh had him locked up because of false accusations what type of faith did he had that he still remained in christ and how does that relate to people that may even be in jail right now that didn't commit a crime but they're staying steady to the word of god um well i would say that there's so many hardships and trials on this earth because of our sin sinful nature however 
we must have faith in God and know that he will always see us through. We see so many times throughout history that he uses even the bad things and makes them work together for those that truly love him. Um, and uh, we are reminded of this in Romans 8, 28. Um, and like I said, anytime you're falling on a hard time, you know, just keep your chin up and have faith in God that he will get you through that ordeal and he will have the ultimate word. And how does the story of Joseph, Joseph warn us of sins and our danger? Um, well, like I said, God <coughs> speaks through us through different ways and sometimes they're to encourage us, sometimes to warn us of some danger, some, and a lot of times to uh, warn us about specific sins in our life. And the way this plays out is that we need to simply be receptive to how God speaks through us, whether it be through dreams, through pastors, friends, parents, and so forth. We see that Jesus himself tried to speak the word and the truth to those around him when he was here on earth. And uh, the people around him, especially the Pharisees, they weren't willing to be receptive to that word. They kept on asking God for signs, asking Jesus for signs. Yeah, we see that he showed them so many signs through so many miracles that he did and stuff like that. And yet all these things made them more yeah, more infuriated and enraged with him. Uh, so we see that even though he would have showed them even more signs, because he already showed them plenty of signs, right. we see that they would never have gotten the message because they weren't willing to be receptive to God's word. All right. And just like, Many a times throughout the story, God just reassured Joseph, even he was in jail from when he was sold into slavery, that, hey, I have great plans for you, and I love you. And how does that relate to us, um, you know, when we talk to people that maybe didn't get into the college they wanted to, or maybe had someone in their life that passed away, or they're going through things where they seem like everything is going wrong. How does God reassure these people that, hey... I still love you, and I still have big plans for you, the same way that he had for Joseph. Um, I would say that, you know, we're living in a, in a world and a society and a generation in which people are so self-centered. They only seek out what they could get out of the world and how they could get to the top. And yet they pass by all these people and yet are so unwilling to help them. We see this even through one of the parables that <coughs> Jesus gives with the Good Samaritan. We see that really, that we see that people that were really accepted and sought after with high positions uh, by the Jews, we see that they passed by this guy who was beaten and uh, robbed and stuff. And even though they were supposed to keep the law, they completely ignored that part of the law that says to love one another and help one another out. And yet this Samaritan who was looked down upon by Jews, he comes along and he shows that person that compassion and stuff like that. And that applies to us today. Whenever we're going throughout life, um, 
definitely we should try to reach our fullest potential and become the, become the best people we can possibly become. However, on our way to the top, we must never pass by opportunities in which we could help others. And then that also applies to once we reach the top. We must never look down upon others, but rather reach out our hand and lift them up in any way we can, whether through encouragement, whether through financial stuff, and so many different other things. And does Joseph seem somewhat proudful to you throughout the stories? Um, I believe a sense of pride does come into Joseph. Um, obviously, I could be wrong, though, because the Bible never mentions anything about Joseph having any pride. But just from my take on it, I feel like there was a little bit of sense of pride in him because we see that he would go to his parents and go to his brothers and tell them all the dreams that he had and how through these dreams, the message seemed to say that one day they would all bow to him. So, like I said, I could be most definitely wrong, but to me, it does kind of sound like he was a bit prideful because... We see that God was reassuring him that he had a great plan for him. But yet, sometimes I think we should just keep some of these things to ourselves and just pray about it, talk to God about it, and just trust in him. I don't, well, I don't, know. I don't too much kind of agree just because um, his brothers were mo- much older than him. And at the time when he was having these dreams that he would be over him, he was a little boy almost. He was still a child, I would probably say. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't think he meant it in a way like, oh, you're going to bow down to me, but almost in a in a playful, joyful way, excited and um, astonished way that just I'm ready for life. Whereas his brothers were more so in a phlegmatic, um, frustrated mood throughout throughout this time period. Yeah, and that, that could definitely be true as well. Um, even looking at our own lives, there's so many cases in which we, we as adults think we're so much better than someone who's younger than us. And then even though someone who's younger than us is right in something, a lot of times we tend to be so rebellious and so resistant to listening to them, even though they know what they're actually doing. We always have a sense of pride and we refuse to listen to us to those who are younger than us just because we think that we know better and we're older than them and stuff okay um we must always keep in mind um to put aside our pride because god reminds us that pride is something really bad Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty (coughs) spirit before a fall. So, and whatever we do, as I said before, we must always be careful not to be prideful. And instead, try to look to the needs of others and help out in any way we can. Alright, so the next thing we'll look at is... The idea of being wise. Oftentimes we use the the terms being wise and being smart interchangeably. However, there are two different things. Being smart has to do with specifically knowing facts, knowing all kinds of things. And being wise has to do with knowing when to use 
all those facts and how to use it and stuff like that. Um, we see a lot of times kids tend to be smart. Uh, they spat out all these interesting facts and stuff like that and true things, but we see that they don't really have wisdom because those facts are oftentimes irrelevant to the specific situation. How do you feel about that? Um, I think they kind of intertwine with each other and that some people do have both. Some people are just smart and some people do have wisdom, but they gain wisdom from experience. Definitely. Um, so as we move on, we look at, at the idea of hatred. We see all throughout the Bible, God reminds us to refrain from hating someone. And more so, we should refrain from hating those, um, those in our family. Uh, we see that God reminds us that even thinking something bad about someone and hating them is practically like murdering, murdering them. And we see that Joseph's brothers had so much hatred for him that at one point they tried they try plotting to kill him and they throw him inside a well. Yeah, and it's just... <clears throat> they, and that just comes back once again from favoritism that is caused envy and self-destruction just out of anger and frustration. Frustration. Definitely. And then we see here one of uh, Joseph's one of Joseph's brothers uh, named Reuben. We see that he has somewhat of a more loving heart, and he really doesn't want to see Joseph die. So he tries to save him. So he tries to get the brothers to refrain from killing him and to see to make them see what they could get out of it so he talks to the brothers and eventually they decide to make a profit out of joseph instead of killing him so they end up selling him to some um slave owners right and at least we know that he does have one brother that shows more compassion it's like hey this is wrong but well, let's just see what we can get out of him. And I don't know if he was doing that because he actually felt bad. He didn't want to straight up just kill him. Or he was like, regardless if he die or not, I just let's, let's at least get some money out of it. And almost honestly, back then, slavery might have been might have been worse than death because you have to remember these people aren't just going to become slaves and then they keep everything. No, they're changing your whole identity. They're changing your whole religion. They're changing your language. All that changes. You're a new creator. You're a new creature. Whatever you worship, you no longer get to worship anymore. He had his head shaved off. He had to learn new languages. All that changed. Your whole identity is gone. So what's, I mean, die with your identity and your integrity of who you are or live a whole new life force in a religion that changes and that picks your identity so. definitely and think about it these days how would you personally feel if you an American let's say let's say you were taken and uh, 
and you were sold to Germany and you had no idea of the language whatsoever, like, how would you feel about that? You would have to completely <coughs> immerse yourself within that culture so you could try to remotely somehow fit in. Right. Um, and as we go on, we see that the idea that one sin leads into another sin. So first, they fall into the sin of hating Joseph, trying to kill him, and then the sin of selling their own brother. Uh, and then that sin led into another sin, and this was the sin of lying. We see that in order to cover what they had done, the brothers went and they lied to the, their father. They took the, the cloak that their father gave to Joseph and they put a lamb's or some, some type of animal's blood on it to make it look as if, as if some animal had killed him. And it just shows once again if you lie, you'll steal. If you'll steal, you'll kill. And basically, really, just one sin just leads to another. And the best thing is that the truth will set you free. Definitely. Um, Leviticus nineteen eleven says, "You shall you shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another." So as we move on, we see that. Joseph is Joseph finally gets to um, to Egypt after a really long trip and we see even through this God's hand at work and his providence because we see that a lot of these a lot of the times during those days a really long journey like that could have been really dangerous and could have even been fatal but we see God's hand throughout this and we see that God helps him get to Egypt safely and we see that he is sold to Potiphar, who is basically like the butcher for for the pharaoh. Um, so we see that he gets sold to someone that's really high up within the Egyptian society. And through this, we see that Joseph does really well in whatever he's given to Potiphar, whether he was good at it or not. He worked at it with his best ability, and he ended up doing really well in Potiphar's house, so much so that Potiphar entrusted him even with more things. And how, how does that apply to our lives today? Just that... Well, some people mean, mean meant for evil and bad. God meant for good, and that no matter what you're going through, God has God God's hand. God will never leave you nor forsake you, and that God will open doors that no man can shut. He'll put you in positions. Some people will be just like his brothers. Why him? Why this and that? But that's God's will, and that's His grace and love towards you. Definitely. And another thing we can learn from this is to. Every time we're given to do something, even if it's something unpleasant, something that we don't like, specifically here in our case as students doing all these big papers and projects that we don't want to do, we must always remember to do the things that we do with our best ability, <coughs> to do it as if we're doing it for God himself. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever the activity in which you engage, do it with all your ability. All right. And that's what Joseph did. He didn't have the best job in the world. He probably didn't even like his job, really. But he did whatever it was to the best of his ability. 
Definitely. And we see, like I said, Joseph reaches a pretty high position because he becomes really favored by by Potiphar and he gets put in this really high position for him. And we see that even though he gets this pretty high position, we see that Joseph never strays away from his faith in God and he still remains uh, righteous. We see that at one point Potiphar's wife tells Joseph to sleep with her on uh, many occasions, except regardless of her persistence, uh, we see that, like I said, Joseph still remained faithful to God and he doesn't give in to the temptation. And we see that be because of his righteousness, we see that he gets thrown in jail. And jail back then was not as we think about it today, with a nice, pretty good room with a bed and stuff like that. It was simply a small cell with dirt, with dirt floor. And the conditions back then were really critical. And we see that Potiphar's wife lies to Potter, Potiphar himself and tells him that Joseph tried to sleep with me and stuff like that. And we see that because of this, Potiphar throws Joseph into prison. However, one thing to notice about this is Potiphar was somewhat reluctant to do so. We see that being the butcher for the Pharaoh himself, we see that he could have easily killed Joseph, especially for something like that, for trying to uh, for trying to sleep with, with his own wife. However, given the fact that Potiphar doesn't kill him, it kind of gives us the sense that he rather trusts Joseph a little more than his wife. Mm. He lived with uh, his wife all these years, and I'm pretty sure throughout all these years, he got the sense that she wasn't the most faithful wife. And this probably wasn't the first instance instance that something like this happened. Right. So we see that instead of killing Joseph, he does what we would call saving face. He doesn't kill Joseph, but yet he throws him in prison to show his wife his loyalty to her. Right. I, I totally agree with you. So um, we see that as the story goes on, regardless of the fact that Joseph is thrown into prison, we see that, again, he's still very faithful to God. And then God, on the other hand, is really faithful to him. And we see even through this that God never leaves him or forsakes him. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And a lot of times, whenever we're in hard times, we tend to take our sight off of God and look to the surrounding. And because of this, we get so caught up and so overwhelmed by the bad things that are going on, on around us, and we lose our faith in God. Except even through hard times, we must remember that if we have faith in God, He will see us through. This is exactly what happened with with Peter, we see that once he gets out of the ship, we see that instead of keeping his eyes focused on Jesus, 
He starts looking around him, looking at all the high and strong waves around him. And because of this, he begins to lose his faith and he starts sinking. However, we see that Jesus was very merciful and he comes and lifts Peter up. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just shows us that, that like no matter what, Joseph was just determined that he was going to worship God and he never lost his identity and he knew who the true God was even when he was put into situations and into a whole new country where everything was stripped away from him he just held on to Christ definitely and as the story goes on we see that Joseph again is very receptive to God's word and we see like I said Joseph God speaks through jo- to Joseph through dreams, whether to him directly or through j- dreams of other people. And we see um, while he's in prison, like I said before, we see that two people, one is the king's cupbearer and the other one is... Danny, do you remember who the other character was? Um, no, I don't remember who it was. Yeah, so anyways, it was the cupbearer and some other person. And uh, they both used to do tasks for um, for the king himself, for Pharaoh. I believe the other person was a cook or something. Right. And we see that they both have dreams. One is a dream of encouragement and hope. Uh, it was a message of restoration in which he would be restored to his position that he had before. And then for the other person, (coughs) it was the message of preparation and of despair, informing him that he was going to have his end coming soon. And we see that Joseph is very receptive to God's word, and he is able to interpret these dreams for uh, these two people. And we see that Joseph tells the cupbearer who ends up living, we see that he tells him not to forget him. But we see that as the story goes on, two whole years pass by and Joseph is still in prison. However, he still remains faithful. And how would you feel if you didn't do anything bad, you ended up in prison, and you helped interpret someone's dream. You told them not to forget you, and they completely, they completely uh, lose all remembrance of you. Um, ask people for you, and um, I would just, I would, I would have lost hope a long time ago. But, and I would just been hopeless and just thinking, God, why, why is this happening to me? But um, hopefully, I would have looked at it in a positive way the way Joseph did and just kept my faith in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing we can get from this is that the fact of doing good may sometimes mean that we're not, we're not always going to get the reward or we're not always going to get the reward that we want or in our specific time, that, time frame that we want. However, we must never lose faith. Um, God reminds us that we must never grow weary of doing good because in due time, we will get our reward, whether here on earth or up in heaven. 
So as we move on, we see that Pharaoh again, we see that he has two dreams. And we see at this point, the cupbearer remembers Joseph. And Pharaoh goes to all of his high people, to his priests and all these false dream interpreters and stuff like that. And he asks them, what in the world do these two dreams that I keep on having mean? And yet, none of them can inter interpret these dreams. So the cupbearer tells Pharaoh about Joseph and how he interpreted his, uh, his dream. And so God works through this. We see that this isn't coincidence, but this is divine providence. We see that Joseph is called to Pharaoh himself and he finally gets out of prison. And God fills Joseph with wisdom and he gives him the interpretation of this, of this dream again. Mm -hmm. And because of this, we see that we see God's glory being portrayed through Joseph and because of Joseph's faithfulness, um, he was able to save the entire, the entire land of Egypt and then even the lands surrounding Egypt. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And that's God's grace and God's will. Definitely. And as I said before, we must be patient through anything that we're going with, mm -hmm. even if it's a hard moment, because this is what Joseph did. Right. And it's through his patience and faithfulness to God that he ended up reaching this high, really high position. In the end, we see that Pharaoh puts him in second position over all of Egypt. Mm. The only person, like aside from God, the only person he had to answer to was Pharaoh himself. Aside from that, he didn't have to answer to anybody else. And he only reached this through his patience and his faithfulness and trust in God. And every time we're going through some hard times, we must always remember to stay strong in our faith in God and to never give in to the temptations of uh, the world. And just keep faith the way Joseph kept faith and know that God does have big plans for you, that others will be able to see your gift to your talent. It will be like a colorful coat. And some people may show favoritism towards you, but just know that you are God's chosen people, that he loves you, and you're going to go through tough times, but keep faith in the Lord. And if those people do come back in your life, whether it's a family member or a friend, whoever, just show them love and grace the way Joseph did, and God will surely bless you the way he blessed Joseph. Definitely. And as we go on, we see that, as I mentioned earlier, we see that Joseph is no longer the youngest of all the children. We see that the youngest now is a boy by the name of Benjamin. And we see a change in the hearts of Joseph's brothers. We see that even though <clears throat> Isaac again, or no, no um, Jacob, we see that even though Jacob starts showing favoritism again towards Benjamin, the youngest one, we see that his brothers have a change of heart and they really care about Benjamin. We see that at one point Joseph, um, 
Joseph tells the brothers, because we see that the brothers uh, go all the way to Egypt to get food, and they don't realize that it's Joseph. We see that Joseph tests them, and he tells them to go bring Benjamin. And at first, Jacob is really hesitant to do so. We see that he doesn't want to let him go whatsoever. Like, he doesn't care what's going to happen. He would rather die of hunger instead of letting him go. However, we see in the end, he finally lets him go. And one of the reasons for that is that one of the sons tells his father that if he doesn't return back with Benjamin in one piece, we see that he offers up one of his own sons uh, to be killed. And this is, this just goes to show the great care that uh, his brothers had for Benjamin. And we see that they finally, they're finally able to convince Jacob to let Benjamin go. We see that they go there and Joseph finally shows himself. And instead of being prideful and stuff like that because of the, the because of the position that he's now in, we see that he shows so much love and care towards his brothers. And he also offers them mercy and compassion. We see that even though they treated him so miserably, we see that Joseph forgives them. And just once again, what I said already, it just shows God's grace, love, and how, how he speaks to us and how he changes people. Definitely. And one thing to keep in mind is that God always reminds us to do good, not just to those who are good to us, but especially to those that do evil to us. And we see this in the case of Joseph. At first, his brothers meant this for evil, but God used that evil for good. And, you know, even when someone does something bad to you, Always remember to forgive them because you never know how the wheel might turn around. And in the end, by forgiving them, you might influence their lives in such a positive way and they might end up helping you in some big way. Uh, we see that Romans twelve nineteen says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And that's exactly what Joseph did with his brothers. He didn't come at them with anger, but he came at them with love and forgiveness. He was happy to see his brothers. He loved them. Definitely. Um, and we see that, as I said before, no matter what's going on, we, even if we're going through some really rough seas, we must always trust God no matter what because He will always see us through. Uh, and to end it off, I'm going to read to you Romans 8:28, which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And that just, that just wraps up Joseph's story his love for God and God's love for him and his faithfulness towards Christ and how we should be like Joseph, how the Lord will, he'll make our, he'll make our own colorful coat with our life. It's our job to keep faith, to forgive others, and just to know that God loves us no matter what the situation is. Mm -hmm.